What a great session of worship, and uh, hopefully you experienced um, the presence of God during that. Um, this sound like it's reverbing or something. To me, it's in a barrel. Um, this is a new sermon series that we're going to start today entitled Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's taken from the scripture uh, in Matthew uh, that has commonly been known as the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus speaking to the church. Um, Sister Betty uh, brought this note up here a second ago to me and, and, and said that she feels like the word of the Lord for us today is, is that God says to his children that he inhabits our praises. And there's a scripture that backs that up that in Psalms that says that he will inhabit the praises of his people. And when you praise him, he comes. Isn't that awesome? Whenever we praise him, he comes. So if you're in trouble and you're by yourself, you're all alone, whether you're driving in your car, in your bedroom, on your tractor, wherever you're at, if you sense trouble and you want to get out of it and you need his help, praise him. Let's all practice. Lift your hand. Say, I praise you. I invite you in my life. He'll come running, I promise you. Amen, if it's meant in your heart. She wrote, continue to praise God. And he says, I will pour out my blessing upon my church and my people. I will restore everything that the enemy has taken from you. I will heal your marriage. And I will continue to build this great church. I am well pleased, says God. He is pleased when his people follow his path and follow his word and follow his direction. Thank you, Betty, for offering uh, that word to us this morning. I believe in the gifts of the church in 1 Corinthians 12, and I believe that those gifts are given in words of encouragement words of wisdom and words of knowledge and I believe there's people here this morning that needs to hear that message from God to his church the sermon on the mount as you look in your bible and you can take this into account from Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7 it's a a section of the bible that I believe is so important because I feel like it's a pivot point in humanity that this is a time and a season where Jesus had lived his life on this earth and he uh, in Matthew you know leading up to chapter 5 there's just a few chapters and Jesus had lived his life as being born in a manger we know the story the Christmas story and then early on in his childhood uh, we see him doing different things and then at the age of 12 we know the story of Jesus sitting in Jerusalem and some of the Pharisees and Sadducees were amazed by the knowledge that he had and the wisdom that he had even as a 12 year old kid and that's the last time we really hear from Jesus and we know nothing from the time he was 12 until he becomes 30 years old and he shows back up on the scene in scripture and this is where 
uh, early on in his ministry, he chooses his disciples, he gets them to uh, go with him, and he tells them to come follow me. I told somebody that this week, that uh, it's a beautiful thing when Jesus looks at us in all of our brokenness, in all of our trouble, in all of our issues in this life, and he looks at us, and he, just like he did with Matthew and with uh, all these disciples that he had, uh, James and John and Andrew and all these disciples, these 12 disciples, and he looked at them, and he would say this, come follow me. And the beautiful part is he didn't say clean up your life and get everything perfect and come follow me. He said come follow me. And just like he's saying that to you and I today, we're broken, we have issues, we have things going on, we all got our quirks, and he's saying the same thing to us today, come follow me. But as he said that to them, come follow me, he didn't just say come follow me and I'm going to leave you the same. He said, come follow me, and I'm going to give you some words of wisdom. I'm going to give you some words of knowledge. I'm going to give you some things that is going to show you the way that will lead you out of the troublesome times that you faced. And you're going to see a way that hasn't been seen before. Everybody say, Jesus changed everything. Jesus changed everything. Amen. Uh, you didn't say that like he was encouraged about that. I, I need to hear it again. Everybody say, Jesus, Jesus changed, changed everything. everything. Amen. That means my life. Yeah. Amen. That means my attitude. That means everything. Jesus changes everything. And then his sermon, that he, he, he goes up on this mountain. He asked his disciples to follow him. And as he asked his disciples to follow him, everybody brings somebody. Whether you believe this or not, there is people, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, those that you're in connection with, and they actually listen to you. You may well say, well, I'm not really a leader. You have no idea the people you influence. So Jesus chose these 12 people, and whenever he did, these 12 people invited other people. And imagine a church where the people invited people. I think that's been a problem with the church for a long time. We come in, we say, us four, no more. I want my comfort. I want my way. I don't want any outsiders coming in. I thank God here at the bridge that there's people that come, amen, that loves to invite people. I thank God that you are here. Most of you are here today because somebody invited you. Somebody asked you, come Go with me to church. And as that happens, other people come. And when they come, it's a great thing. Because Jesus didn't just invite these 12 to just pick them out and say, I'm only going to teach you. He invited those 12 because he knew they would influence others. He called you to himself so that you could influence those around you. This sermon is awesome. And he sets them on this hill, and he takes them up on this hill, and all these other people are following, even the 12. And the next thing you know, and some people's got different perceptions about this, and they think that Jesus told everybody and commanded everybody, sit down, shut up, I'm going to talk now. Stand up on this big hill, and we got this picture in our mind, you know, we're imagining this. Jesus up here yelling at everybody, oh, oh. 
That's how most preachers are. I try my best not to, but sometimes I just do. It's one of my weaknesses. But it actually says that Jesus sat down. Imagine following a leader that is so comfortable in his skin that he knows he can lead even by sitting down. That it's not a boss mentality of driving somebody to do something. We've all seen those images, the leader pulling the cart and the boss behind sitting on the cart with the whip, whipping the others to pull it, right? We know those pictures. Jesus is not a boss. He's a leader. Amen. And as he's doing this, Sermon on the Mount is a thought-provoking, religious, religion-deflating, life-challenging section of Scripture. And if we did nothing else for the rest of the year but study the Sermon on the Mount, there's enough in there to do you a lifetime. I promise you. And if you've never read it, you need to read it. So I want you for the next three weeks to go through and look at Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I'm going to preach some things. I'm not preaching every line item thing in that text. I can't. Some people think that the Sermon on the Mount might have lasted for more than just a one-hour church service. In about 2,000 words, 107 verses based in the King James translation, Jesus transformed his disciples' understanding of the meaning and the purpose of life. So in this three-part sermon series I'm going to do, I hope and pray for the same results Jesus had. I would like for some people in the room to shift their mindset on what the purpose of life is and the meaning of life. That God would renew our focus on him. As the song Leslie just sang, we're here for you. Amen? That's different than he's here for us. Amen? He's not some genie in a bottle that we come in and rub on the side of and he comes out and they just give him your wish list. He's more than that. Amen? I'm not saying he won't give you the desires of your heart because scripture says he will. But I'm here today to tell you, give your life to him and say, I'm here for you. Jesus desired to sit down on this mountain and he taught many things throughout this Sermon on the Mount. There's the thing called the Beatitudes, and if, if you don't know those, as a Christian, you need to know those. How many's got an attitude? How many's got a kid sitting beside him has got an attitude? I, yeah, oh, there you go. Tabby's got one there. Uh-oh. <laughs> he, he looked over like, Mom, did you raise your hand? Come on now. I'm the best kid ever. Any kid comes off Hackworth has to be a good kid, right? We all need a little attitude adjustment every now and then, as Hank Jr. said. Oh, can you use Hank Jr. in a sermon? I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was off limits there. Attitude adjustment. It works every time. He taught about, and this is the, the text in, in the Sermon on the Mount, actually has the Lord's Prayer in it as well. And 
It's where Jesus taught them how to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We know the Lord's Prayer, right? Actually, it shouldn't be the Lord's Prayer. It should be the prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray. <laughs> it's our prayer. I don't know why people call it the Lord's Prayer. Don't say that. It's your prayer. So learn it. Know those things. And this happened in this sermon as Jesus is sitting down. Here I am standing up. I want to sit down. Leslie's got the tall chair. I'd use it. She took my chair. I know that I cannot scratch the surface of Jesus' teaching ability. But I do believe this, that he called me to speak, to preach, and to teach. And there's many in this room that he's called you to do the same thing. Many people sitting here today, hearing this message, or watching online, or maybe even later in the week, listening to it on the podcast. Many of us have beliefs and religious tendencies that hinder the move of God in our community. Be a good place for an amen. amen. We are here. Come and move, right? We want a move of God. But if we're in control and we do it all my way and don't allow God to tell us what to do, I wonder why we don't have a move. Amen. When God shows up, things move, I promise you. Amen. When Jesus comes walking into town and you've got a dead daughter lying upstairs and you tell people, go get Jesus, bring him in the room. He comes in the room. You've got all these mourners around that you've hired and your little girl laying there dead. Amen. Jesus comes in. Guess what? He bends over her and says, rise up. Guess what? The little girl has to raise up out of the dead. Jesus moves things. Miracles happen when you move. Is there anybody here that would like to see a move of God? Amen. You're in the midst of one right now. Amen. Just look around. You're in the midst of one right here, right now. God is moving in our midst. But sometimes our ideology, our way of thinking, our religious belief systems hinder the move of God because we stop short of allowing him to do whatever he wants to do. Not my way, but your will. Amen? God desires to do a great work here at the bridge. I have this wrote down. He placed us here together for such a time as this. I really believe we don't know the day and the hour and the season in which we're positioned. For such a time as this. And seasoned Christians in the room that's Bible scholars and have been around the church a long time, you know where that verse comes from. That Esther was placed in a position of authority. She was placed in the kingdom. And she was placed there for such a time as this because there was a guy that was looking to tear apart and do away with all the uh, Jewish people off the face of the planet. He had a game plan. He went to the king. He got the approval to do it. He was going to kill every Jew on the planet. If you think the Holocaust was bad, Haman had a whole different ideal. He had the gallows built. He already had it where he was going to do it. And as he was setting up his agenda, God showed up through Esther. And she was sitting there thinking, 
And she heard this, and she heard this was going to happen because she was in the kingdom, married to the king. And here she is, Queen Esther. She's sitting here, and she's thinking, wow, what do I do now? You know what she did? She said, I can't do anything. But she says, I know somebody that can. Is there anybody sitting here today that don't know how to get out of your situation that you're in? That you're sitting here today thinking, man, I've messed it up. This is all falling apart. The wheels are falling off the bus, and I don't know how to fix it, and I don't know what to do, and I'm just perplexed about it, and I'm thinking, and I'm going through my mind, and everything's just rolling through here, and it's just like a big jumbled-up mess, and I can't get anything cleared up, and I can't get my mind cleared, and I have no peace, and I have no understanding of these things, and then all of a sudden, a thought hits your mind and thinks, wow, God can move on this. Come on, somebody. God can move on this. And here you said, and Esther's sitting there thinking, God can move on this. But guess what? i got to get a clear mind. And she goes to the people around her, and she says, I need to pray, and I need to fast. And won't you come and fast with me for three days and nights, and I'll go before the king. And I know I'm not allowed to. And on this earthly rule book, it says not to do that. I can't approach the king unless he asks me to come. She says, pray and fast with me for three days. For such a time as this, God has placed me in this position. And there's people in this room that you've been placed in position of influence, and it's on purpose, and God has you there for a reason because it's a time such as this. He's ready to shift your mind, and you need to get alone and get some solitude sometime and just sit down and rest like Jesus is in this Sermon on the Mount and say, God, just give me a clear mind. Free up some space up here for God. Sometimes you don't need to Google it. You need to ask God. Amen? And I'm a Google-addicted freak. I Google everything. Dad says it's what's wrong with our society today. Everybody just Googles everything. He says you don't ponder about, you don't wonder about things. Used to, old-timers, they'd sit around, they didn't have Google. They didn't even have books very much. Back, you know, 150 years ago, they'd just sit around and think about something. Hmm. I know you guys can't understand the world without Google, but come on now. Ponder about that for a minute. Wow, there was a time where Google wasn't here? Yeah, yeah, there was. Probably a pretty good time. They invented things. We can't invent nothing. I know that's a double negative, but I'm okay. I think you understood me. You ever just been amazed by something? A while back, Joe Don was up the house, and I don't even know what they're there for. Probably eating. That's what Leslie does. Invites them up to eat. Uh, so that's what he's doing is eating. And we got a record player. You, you guys know what a record player is, right? So we got this record player. And I, my grandma, Frances, passed away, and my grandma Collier. I've got her records. I've got records from way back. Some of them's you know like the '30s and stuff from Grandma Shirley. She liked opera. Grandma Francis liked Conway and all them type of people. So we got all these records, and thank you, Aunt Mary, for letting me have some of them. And I was sitting there at the house, and I thought, hey, let's play some records. This would be cool. So I got the records out, and, you know, we started looking through them, and they was all digging through them. Wow, oh, look, whoa, yeah, ee, you know. So we started playing these records. And as I put it on there and we began to play them, I, I began to look at that, and I, I just got in awe and wonder how in the world did somebody – 150 years ago or something designed this 
How did they get the idea to make this flat piece of plastic and get little bitty bumps on a groove and stick a needle down on it and make that work to make sound? I was just awestruck by it. And I got to thinking, you know, today we can just poke on this goofy thing right here we got and just get any music we want. And, you know, it, it's just crazy to me how easy it is for us, how hard it was for them. And then I thought, what if the Internet does shut down? Whoa, the powerhouses are on a uh, network, right? Eric, you go in these plants and the whole thing is automated and, and even operators inside of a plant can't even operate anything. Any, they poke on his screen and make a valve come on or make the tank open. You know, It's crazy. What if all that shut down? Could you make a record player? It makes me ponder. I take after my dad. I'm sorry. But I believe that is where wonder comes from. What if we went back and truly decided in our hearts today, I want to be in awe of God? Have you ever been awestruck by God? Have you ever been sitting and all of a sudden you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the voice of God just impacted your life and you sit there and just say, oh, it'll make you shake in your boots. If you've never had that to happen, I encourage you to ask God for that to happen. Get in a situation, ask him, see if he can't change it. So as I think about this sermon and all that, that I want to be in awe of God, that these 12 disciples he's, he's chosen, you know, he gets them up on this mountain, he walks up through here, and man, I'm, I'm glad we don't have to walk anymore. But anyway, and all that, I've, here we are, and you know, they walk up on the side of this mountain, and, he, and then just Jesus just gets up there, and they're all sitting around, and, you know, probably following him, like, where's this, where's he going? Going up on top of his head, why are we going on a hill? Let's go down by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus. It's better down there. Let's get down there and we can fish. and Let's, let's go have some fun. He's walking up on this hill and walking around just, mm, yeah. Oh, fresh air up here, right, guys? And then he just flops down. Uh, kind of lays back. Sorry if you're in the back and can't see me. Probably why he's up on a hill so everybody could look up and see him. They all got issues going on, life troubled, and just bad marriage, bad this, bad that. Fishing boat trip didn't go all that well this week. Had a bad week. It rained all week. I couldn't get no logs off the hill, Earl. Jesus up here just sitting down, laid back. I think I'll just give a little talk. I'll just say a couple words here and give some insight to some people. Begins to talk to them, just, you know, Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek. They'll inherit the earth. If anything, the church needs is more meek people. Amen? He said, you're blessed 
when you're that. It says, blessed, 5-8, I think. Blessed are the pure in heart. They'll see God. <laughs> How many want to see God? Isaiah saw him. I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. It goes through these beatitudes. Change your attitude, you'll change your life. Some of you adults said you had kids, they had attitudes. Maybe you're sitting here with your spouse today. How many's got a spouse here today that's got an attitude? Uh oh, there you go. Good thing Mackenzie ain't in here. Is she in here? <laughs> uh, she ain't in here. Lathan, you, you only raised your hand because she ain't in here. Brave when she's not around, ain't he? <laughs> Can you imagine Jesus so just sitting there talking about these things and everybody sitting there like, I, I want to hear that word. What, what's, what's the word, Jesus? And he goes through these things, these beatitudes, and they're beautiful. They're life-altering, life-changing. And as they ponder these things and think through these things, it's just amazing to see what Jesus talked to them about. And Jesus did this, that he went up on this mountain, I believe, as a symbolic picture of where he needs to be placed in your life. Because I really believe wherever you place him, determines the limitations you place on him. Can I say that again? Where you place him determines the limitations you place on him. Think about this. If Jesus is above you, And you place him up here, above everything. Amen? That means he's Lord of your life. And Lord means you have control. And there's control freaks in here. Just shake your head if that's you. Yeah, we're all control freaks in our own way. She's shaking her head, Kobe, just so you, you didn't want to look over to see if she was, I know. But she was shaking her head, I promise. He's like, yeah, she controls me. <laughs> Kobe, stop by McDonald's and get me a chicken nugget. <laughs> Kobe's like, okay, here come Kobe. Sitting 45 minutes in the line at McDonald's to get a chicken nugget. Jesus on those high places, and there's many places in the Bible that talks about these mountains and the Sermon on the Mount. You have to talk about mountains, I believe. And, and Micah 4 2 says many nations will come and say come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and the house of our God of Jacob that he may teach us about his ways and that we may walk in his paths Micah 4 2 nations will say let us go to the mountain of the Lord and let us hear what he says and let us walk in his paths this is a prophet speaking about the Son of God coming in a future day where that people would want to come and hear 
what God has to say. Some people don't want to hear what God has to say. There's people in your networks that don't want to hear. When you bring up God, they just automatically turn it off. It's like, mm-mm, don't go there with me. One thing you do here is don't talk about politics and you don't talk about religion. Anybody ever heard that or is it only me? Okay. The two, the two ooh, I can't believe you said that word. Religion. Can you believe they're talking about it? You're going, oh, my goodness, what's it going to be? Everything else is on limits. Why is those two things off limits? I'm not going to talk about politics here today. Mountains. The Bible is full of stories about mountains. And I wrote this down. Are you looking up to him? Because if you've placed Jesus over everything in your life, you have to look up to him. Is he your hero? Is he your role model? And most of all, is he your mentor? These disciples that he took with him up this day up on this mountain, they looked at him in awe and wonder in all these things that they seen of him. And like, wow, he's my hero. He's my role model. He is my mentor. Back in the Old Testament, there's all kinds of people that would go up on the mountain. And Moses is one of them. And Moses, in the story of Exodus 24, he goes up on the mountain. And God told Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nabab. And the 70 elders of Israel. And you shall worship at a distance. God called Moses to come up on the mountain. And this is the story where the Ten Commandments are issued to Moses. As Moses comes up on the mountain, God talks to Moses. So I encourage you this week to find you a mountain. Find you a place of solitude where that you leave and abandon the things of this world, and you find a place that you can walk up onto. And people, uh, Kitty, I'm sure, whenever you're out hunting and you're out doing things and, and whatever, and you're turkey hunting, you're walking up in, and, and the beauty of God, you can see it, right? And you can know as you're sitting there. And one of the things I used to, you know, I hate fishing, but I love fishing because that's one time I prayed a lot. Anybody ever pray while you're fishing? Pray to catch a fish? <laughs> Come on, God, just let one get on the hook. The earth is the Lord's and fullness thereof. You control the fish. You did for Jesus. He sent Peter down there that day and owed some taxes. Jesus said, go down there and cast a line down in there. But the first fish you pull out will have a, a coin in its mouth and go pay your taxes. How many like to get your... Yeah. April 15th is coming. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Go fishing. Woo, everybody in the room is going to be getting your fish poles out now. Mm, yeah, I'm going to hold this one up. I'm going to go down and get me a fish. Find you a place of solitude. Go up on a mountain. Elijah went up on the mountain one time and God called him there. 1 Kings 19, verses 11 and 12. Go read that. That Elijah goes up on a mountain and he meets with God. 
and he hears God. And it says, you know, that fire comes and the wind comes and all these different things come. And Elijah was looking for God in all these loud and extravagant ways and all these things that the way that he thought God was going to talk. And it, he's looking, he's like, wow, I see fire over here. And wow, look at this wind blowing. Even rocks are moving when this wind blows. It's like a, a tornado come through. And Elijah's sitting there, wow, God's in that. And he looked and God wasn't there. Then all of a sudden it says that God, in a still, small voice, spoke. I'm telling you, find you a place to get away and listen. Because in the midst of noise, it's hard to pay attention. Amen? Psalms 121 verse 1 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I lift my eyes to the hill from where my help comes. I want you to look up this week to Jesus because he's worth looking up to. I want you to make him your hero this week because he's worthy of being a hero. I want you to ask him this week to be your mentor because he's worthy of being your mentor. He can get you some advice that will help you. I want to take communion with our church this week. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it tells us in communion how to carry about the order of service during communion. Paul the Apostle is telling the church there at Corinth, here's some things to do. Tells the church, examine yourself, examine your heart. Know whether you're in the right place with God or not. Tells them to share with those in need. I think this church is one of the most sharing churches I've ever seen in my life. It's amazing what we are able to do together through synergy, through the things that we've been talking about lately here at the church, to just see what God can do when we do it together. And not just us, even other churches, to join together with the Christian churches here in town this past week to do what we did for the people down in Lee and Owsley counties is amazing. Communion is symbolic. Of reminding ourselves and placing Jesus in his rightful spot. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. And communion is an act of worship. It's in a tangible way, but it is in an act of obedience to what he told us to do. So today, I want us to have communion. And as a church, we, as a church, the same as God believes in open communion. And what that means is, you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a covenant partner of this church. You don't. It's not about any of that stuff. Open communion is 
you can be on membership at another church and here visiting today, and we open up communion to whoever is in God's family. Because it's one big kingdom and it's all his. And it's not about the name over the door. Of what denomination we are or anything else. Communion brings together and it unifies the body of Christ. And it's symbolic in an act of worship of Jesus. David, won't you, Tommy, come. And I want you to get the communion. I know you don't like being in front of people or anything, but so be it. You can put some of it. Everyone can carry the box either way. And I want you to pass it out and I want you to examine your heart right now, if you will. Just take a moment and examine your heart. First Corinthians 11 tells us to not hold grudges in our heart against others. Have a clear conscience before God. And I ask you right now that don't think you have to be perfect to take communion I think the only condition is that you've given your heart to Jesus and asked him to be the Lord of your life and if you've never done that before you can do that in two seconds and as you do that you don't have to be saved 15 years or 5 minutes or anything else if you give your heart to Jesus right now you're just as righteous as anybody else in the room so I want to give you the opportunity to do that so don't we all just bow our head and close our eyes and Everybody just pray a prayer to God, and he knows your words, and I don't want you to have to repeat after me. And just ask him to come in and cleanse your life and make you clean and make you pure. And ask him to clothe you with his righteousness because you know that you can't meet the standard of being perfect, and you've messed up, and you've had issues, and you've had things go on. Just ask him to cleanse you. To apply the blood of his son Jesus. To wash away the sins that separates us from God.
Everybody sing that if you will. wafer and this is all symbolic of what Jesus did at the last supper that his days on earth were down to the minutes and he wanted to do something that was symbolic that they would remember him he told his disciples and you've seen the picture of the Last Supper of Jesus sitting there and he took the bread and he passed it around and he gave it to each one of them. And he told them, he said, take this bread. It's symbolic of my body. His body was holy. His body was pure. His body was perfect. And this is symbolic of that. The world hated it. His disciples loved it. So I want you to take of that. I want you just to take a moment and just look at that. And think about him. Thank him for giving his body on the cross of Calvary so that you could have eternal life. He gave his life for you. They didn't take it. He gave it for you. What they broke <laughs> brought unity to the world. Father, we thank you for your body that was bruised for our iniquities. Father, I thank you for your body that you sent through Jesus as he was here on this earth. That as they laid stripes across his back, that it says that it is by that that we are healed. So, Father, I pray right now that the chastisement that was upon him as they hit him and spit upon him, and broke that body. That it brought peace. So Father I pray right now. As we partake of this bread together. That's symbolic of that. That we need the peace of God. That passes all understanding. God there's people in this room. That need your healing touch upon their body. God I pray health comes to their bones. In Jesus name. We bless this according to your word.
Amen. Everybody take it to bed. Now as you open the cup, Jesus had this there at that supper and he took the wine and he passed it around and he told his disciples that this was symbolic of his blood, that the blood of a new covenant, the covenant that would do away with animal sacrifice, that, that the blood that he shed would cover sins for all of humanity for all time. That God reconciled humans back to himself and atoned for all their sins, all their failures, all their faults and he covered it with this blood so as today as we partake of this blood I want you to think about this that the issues and the things that you're facing and the problems that's going on in your life If your marriage is in trouble, if you're having issues on your job side and maybe there's people that is making your life rough and it's causing pain to come in your heart and you're thinking, man, how am I going to be a Christian and deal with this? I encourage you right now to look to the hills from whence cometh your help. Your help is Jesus. And his blood washes everything clean. It says he took the cup and he blessed it. So as you're sitting there with that cup and it's symbolic of his blood. His blood washes you clean. So everybody will just... Father, we bless this according to your word. We believe that you cleanse imperfect people. God, we believe today that as we sit here, we know that we've failed you. We know we've walked away. We know we've not held you in high regard. And we know that we've placed our own thoughts above your thoughts. God, we turn over our wheels to your will today. And God, we bless this cup just as Jesus did. Wash us today, O oh God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Everybody pray. Amen. Father, thank you for 
everything that you've said and done here today through your message, through the worship, through the acts of giving, through the partaking of communion. And God, I pray today, as people of the bridge leave this room, that we take you with us, God. And we would make you famous to this world that we're living in. God, I pray today as we go throughout our week, God, the people in this room would be like the disciples and they would impact those that they're touching. Let our community know of your love through our actions, through our words, through our deeds. Help us to be your children and be your representatives, your ambassadors to the world in which we live. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.